Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Married with Movies. I'm one of your hosts, Samantha Mullet. Sitting next to me on the couch is your other host, my beautiful husband, Chris Mullet. I almost died calling you a bozo. <laughs> oh, look, I'm never... You never watched Tiger King, but one of the most famous parts of Tiger King is after uh, one of Joe Exotic's trainers gets his... their, like, hand essentially mangled for the rest of their life from a tiger. One of his first comments is, I'm never going to financially recover from this. I'm never going to emotionally recover from Birdemic 2 and 3 last week. And the fact that you just turned the record around because it was fucking backwards makes me want to backhand you. Why? I fixed it. <laughs> you tried to do it coolly so I didn't notice. Well, yes. I, I actually was going to try to play a game and see how long it was until you noticed and did it yourself. Mm-hmm. You do realize that by doing it at all, it lessens the audio quality of the show. Which you do anyway, because it's you talking is not good audio quality. And you're hurting our viewers' enjoyment of the show by well, playing a listen- little trick on me. They're listeners, not viewers. You know what I meant. Okay, but I'm still going to correct you. way too much to talk about. We don't have that much to talk about. Yes, we do. We have two extra movies to read, because we didn't do it because of our shenanigans last, the last two weeks. I have movies that I've watched to discuss... And we have to talk about the fucking movie in our lives. I been a don't while care about recorded. several of those things that you just listed out. If you're new here, I've sat next to my wife for almost 400 episodes and somehow not poisoned her yet. While we talk about our movies and our lives, the latter being most of the reason why I want to poison her. <sighs> It is Friday, October 13th. It is yeah, Friday, I didn't realize it was Friday the 13th. You didn't realize so it was Friday the 13th? The shitty-ass day I had, the makes, week leading up to it? Total sense, yeah, the day that I had. Amazing. Uh, I just got Jillian's grades for the quarter. All 100%? All 100%. Better be, damn right. Uh, the only other Friday the 13th I remember was the first Friday the 13th when I was like five or six years old. And I remember people being like, it's Friday the 13th, something's going to happen. I was like, no, it's going to happen. And I was uh, in my toy room, and like I pulled the toy out, and all the toys collapsed on me. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, I get it now, help. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's fun. But nothing like calamitous happened today, just a shitty day at work. Like It's been, as you mentioned, for the past week. Um, we recorded the Birdemics two weeks ago. Yeah, because your mom was Cause, here Yeah, because we had a busy weekend last weekend. Um, so it's been two weeks since we recorded. Uh, my mom was here last week uh, visiting and also watching Jillian because we had a toy show, another successful toy show for us. We also just did our I mean, some of our regular activities like playing games and running errands. And, you know, do we do anything else? We didn't do anything else special, right? Just a toy show? Well, that's enough. Very exhausting. Very tiring day. It was like a full... 
twelve hour day for us. Oh, we had uh, we had Rip and Charlie in town. Yes, um, yes and saw it. Went to the City Walk and uh, dinner did with it, them. We we did a new escape room. We did. Um, oh, that's right. We we totally forgot. But we had to do that other one. Yeah. Uh, let's. Oh, let me make a note to remember to look at that. Cause we were gonna try to do that when, like next weekend, weren't we, or something? Yeah, I think so. Uh, okay. Um, that's okay. We'll figure. Yeah, it out. Yeah, we'll figure it. Out. I'm just gonna write it here so I remember. Uh, so yeah, so we've been doing that. I was addressing Birdemic, uh, and we're going to be talking about Birdemic more later on in the show. Um, but when we pivoted to the being totally sauced and watching the movies and doing commentary on them, which we hope you enjoyed... I hope I, you did. I, I, I've I, been dying to do that. I have re-listened to Birdemic 2 already, because when we're recording this, that is aired. Birdemic 3 hasn't aired yet from when we're recording this. Uh, but I think they're very funny. I think they're very good. And also, it's probably most of your most of yours best chances to actually listen and like hear the movie, because uh, you guys are going to watch it. So you can actually hear some of the nonsense we're talking about. The nonsense. Um, but it was a very last-minute decision, A, to split them, because it was going to be way too long, like an over-three-hour podcast. Not that we haven't had something close to that with the Fast and the Furious movies, but we never got a chance to read the boxes. So we're going to do that now, before um, I talk about three movies that I've watched since we've last recorded. And then we get into today's movie, which we also kind of switched up. We did Psycho, which I'm glad we did Psycho immediately after the two Birdemics, based on the James Wen and Alfred Hitchcock of it all. So, uh, <sighs> Samantha, if you'll read Birdemic 2, and then I'll read Birdemic 3, and then you'll read the, the brief blurb from Psycho when we get to the movie. Because, um, of course, it's a very, very small blurb from the Alfred Hitchcock. I, I also just love the... The cover of this, uh, Birdemic. Uh huh. Just how janky it is. Oh, of course. It's Bird. What? Do you want production quality on the DVD package too? I do. I would. Uh I would like it. Hollywood is about to take a beating. Oh my gosh. Sequel to the smash cult hit Birdemic Shock and Terror from James Wynn, the master of romantic thrillers. Birdemic 2, The Resurrection. Time the fuck out. And he trademarked, trademarked the master of romantic thrillers. This fucking this guy, guy. This guy. Is a genius. <laughs> this guy. Amazing. Who needs talent when you have this much passion? Who the fuck said that? <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's going to be like... A... Don't count this against me. No, I was no, so no, hard no, to no. get through. Patsy Van Ediger. <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace. David McKendry, Fangoria. That, that checks out. Entertaining as shit. Ten high fives up, says Andrew Cash, Dread Central. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. A flock of eagles. At first I thought it said a flock, fo- of, seagulls. A flock of seagulls, and mm-hmm. I almost lost my mind. A flock of eagles and vultures wreak havoc amidst blossoming romance in Hollywood, leaving bloodshed and destruction wherever they hover. The story features original Birdemic survivors Rod and Natalie, who are joined by new friends, struggling filmmaker Bill, aspiring actress Gloria, and several other Angelinos as they encounter nope. they yeah, encounter as they battle angry birds and a host of new enemies. They should be an as there, but there's not. <laughs> you had an as. Right. 
right? Because struggling um, and several other Angelinos that, yeah, it should be as, yeah. No, they encounter as they battle. I, I just. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yes, that's one for you. Great. So, I will read Great. Birdemic 3. Fantastic. Birdemic 3, Sea Eagle. God damn it. Hang on. Oh, me too. I got a yawn. That gives you time to yawn. Get the yawns out. The best of the trilogy. It manages to go back to unintentional comedy nirvana, but has some of its own tricks up its sleeve. It says, in their own league. You hesitated a lot in that. Like, you, that was very choppy reading. I didn't miss a word up. Mm-hmm. The conclusion of the epic trilogy from the master of the romantic thriller, still trademarked. With full creative control restored, writer-director James Wen goes back to basics to complete his immortal action-adventure eco-terror vision. Or as the reprobate proclaims, quote, there is so much madness at work here that nothing seems impossible. And then there's a fucking semicolon. <laughs> this is janky as fuck. When global warming triggers climate chaos along the northern California coast, two scientific researchers will discover tender romance, sudden wealth, awkward dancing, appalling CGI, space elevators, automatic weapons, and a plague of sea eagle attacks that could lead to the extinction of life on Earth. Mm. That's an extinction. Ryan Lord and Julia Colbert star, along with the return of Alan Bogg and the ever-engaging musical stylings of Damien Carter, he made the back of the box, <laughs> in the film High Def Digest hails as, quote, a five-star blast. It reiterates how much fun a filmmaker and his actors can have by returning to their home base. No one's having fun. Quote, Birdemic 3 is a force to be reckoned with. Nguyen does not skimp on what made the original so wonderful. Says pop horror. Ugh. I love that by the third movie, they're like, look, this is shit. <laughs> you know what you're in for. You bought this. But who wrote the back of that? Uh, somebody that works for Intervision. Okay. This came out last year. Like They made this during the pandemic. Yeah. Because there was people with masks and shit. Don't read that yet because we're yeah. not going to cover the movie yet. Oh, So oh, oh, one sorry. for you. So what am I up now? To score? Uh, 13 for me, 10 for you. So you're up three. Okay, I'll take it. Uh, up front, we always kind of talk about things uh, that we've watched, uh, movies that are, you know, recent. So we watched, uh, I watched three movies since we last recorded. The first one is something you would watch. you have 11. I'm so sorry. Hang on. Where the fuck that come from? You have 11 from... F9. Hang on. One, two, three, four. Hold the fuck. You told that was like weeks ago. That shouldn't count against me. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I have 15. I have not been updating this. Okay. All right. As long as I'm. Yeah, yeah. So it's 15 to 11. So I'm up four. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, there's no way I'm only up one on you because you've been sucking. Uh, So you're only 10 away. Good. We watched Elemental with Jillian because it's on Disney Plus. And, and she's been dying to watch it. Dying to see it with me specifically because it's a movie about a mother, uh, about a father and a daughter. Um, and you both were like, it was really, really good. And that means I stopped listening to the two of you's movie opinions. I said it was cute and I liked it because of the father daughter thing. So I was like, oh. Sure. Uh, wasn't for me. I, I think Pixar with me has officially lost its touch. And it's just Disney animation in general as of late. I just don't connect with the stories because the stories are all the fucking same. It's all... I I've, I've, I feel like a ranting, raving lunatic at this point with the same fucking message. Can we just have a fucking movie that has actual fucking stakes and villainy 
and doesn't have to be a fucking allegory for a bigger. I, I'm all for it, and it works so well in movies like Wall-E and movies like Up and movies like the Toy Story franchise, where it's saying something while also being entertaining and not preachy. Elemental was not very engaging visually, not very engaging story-wise, and not very engaging with what it was trying to accomplish. So I really struggled to watch the whole damn thing. Um, did you like it more or less on your second watch? Or I liked about the same. Cool. Jillian loves it. I'm like, yeah, that's good. go for it, kid. Um, stop making me watch it. I'll watch Ninja Turtles anytime I'm in the room. Yeah, we've also watched that like three times. Fine, I'll take, I'll take that every time. Uh, we went to go see on a rare day off, the same day we did the escape room you mentioned before, we were able to partake in the haunt, uh, a haunting in Venice because we have it in our movie league. So I was like, we better get these 10 points because I ain't no one else going to go see it. We saw Mur- murder on the Orient express when it came out, uh, I think in 2018, 2019 missed death on the Nile. Uh, and wish I had missed The Haunting in Venice. Did not care for it at all. Struggled to stay awake throughout the entire thing. Yeah, you were like legit falling asleep. I had to like bang you. Whoa, hey now. Hey. <laughs> we were two of only four people in the theater. That's true. Because it was like fucking, what? 10 o'clock in the morning. Did we go see it first? Where did we, I don't even remember yeah. where we went. Where were we? What did we do? Did we go to Epic? Yeah, we went to Epic. It was like noon. I don't remember. Yeah, because we had to go to, we had, we had to escape from like at three or something. Uh, yeah, did you, you didn't like it either, right? It was fine. Yeah. I love, I wanted to like it. Mm-hmm. And I obviously love Agatha Christie. I love, um, you know, mysteries. And I love the characters. And it had a lot of, promise but it was kind of boring yeah yeah it was just very very boring very boring it was trying to be like spooky and also a mystery and it's each movie I mean Murder Experience was the same way where it's just like it's 30 seconds of, 30 minutes of setup then a murder happens then he just interviews people then he tells us how he did it and then it's over and I'm like Sweet. I, cool. I'd much rather read the book about this than yep. have to watch it happen. So, yeah, not not a fan of that one. The only movie of the three that I've watched that I can recommend is a movie I actually didn't tell you I watched yesterday. Uh, when you were, I was working from home and had, uh, it took me like four hours to watch it because I was very, very busy. Um, and I wanted to make sure I was paying attention to it while also being background noise while you were out uh, working from the office. I watched uh, the new uh, horror comedy that hit Prime Video, Totally Killer. Did you hear about Totally Killer? Uh, no. If you were on our Discord for the Movie League, then you would. It's a fine conversation uh. with our friends. But you chose not to be. Um, Why are you going to set me up like that? <laughs> because it's just fact. It is the You're latest. An asshole. It is the latest from Blumhouse in their let's take a film genre and apply it to horror in the vein of Happy Death Day being, like, the time loop horror movie. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Freaky being the body switch horror movie. Uh-huh. This is the time travel horror movie uh. where uh, Kieran Shipka, who we know and love from oh, Mad, Mad Men, and for you, I believe, as well, you still watched her on Sabrina or Riverdale, uh, 
she is, you know, in modern times, the daughter of a survivor from a, a massacre in the 80s and something happens and she gets time traveled back to the 80s to try to prevent that murder from happening. And it is very, very funny. I think Blumhouse does a great job with these movies in terms of taking the concept and applying it to horror movie sensibilities, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. having fun with the uh, both genres at hand and fusing them together. Kieran Shipka is, I think, going to go down as one of the greatest kid actors to, you know, adult Transition, actors. yeah. I mean, she was fantastic. She oh, puts good. a movie on her back, and it, she's hilarious. She's heartfelt. She's just a great actress. Um, a lot of other funny people in it as well, and I think it was a, a very oh. enjoyable time. So Glad you, to hear that. You, you, of course, we watched Happy Death Day for the show. Did you watch Freaky with me? Yeah, I watched really? Freaky. I've rewatched it a couple times as well. I think it's a very rewatchable movie. So if you want to check out Totally Killer, I will happily rewatch it. Okay, sure. Yeah, it was good. Great. Great. Um, that catches us up on that stuff. Now let's jump into what we're covering today. The movie uh, from our pick em off list of movies that were nominated and didn't get picked. That list got too big. It is Halloween month here, as as evident by us covering two Birdemic movies over the past couple weeks. <laughs> Even though they're not romantic, they're romantic thrillers. They're yeah, they're romantic movies. thrillers. Get you it also, right. I mean, you could also argue this is kind of a romantic thriller as well, but this is also this was like the original romantic thriller. This is also a poor movie, um, in, in the purest form. Next week we're doing like the purest, pure poor movie in The Exorcist. Uh, we watch Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee star in this shocking classic about an unsuspecting visitor to the Bates Motel who falls prey to one of cinema's most notorious psychopaths, Norman Bates. Nice, simple to the point. Um, Perfect. It's funny. I watched this in its entirety for the first time probably like less than four months ago. Really? I'd never seen the full thing before. And, again, just one of those, I'm kind of working from home. I had flexibility. What can I put on and kind of pay attention to? And I was like, oh, fucking Psycho is just on Netflix? Okay, sure, why not? I've seen enough of it where I kind of know. It's one of those movies where, like, it's so famous that you just know. You know what's going on. I mean, you know the three key scenes, you know, the five classic lines, you know, the score, you know, the gist of it. Um, but I never like had seen the rest of, I'd never seen like the dressing behind it, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, let me, let me put this on. And then, so uh, revisiting it so soon afterwards was very, very good for me to, to do that. Um, so it was fresher in my mind. Had you seen this before? Yes. I'm not a fucking nincompoop. I've seen when, this before. Tell me when you had seen this before. I watched this movie like with my mom. Okay. What? <laughs> this is not, it's just a, it's a surprise to me. Okay. That's, that's all I'm saying. Okay. I watched a lot of horror films when I was younger. Doesn't mean I enjoyed all of them. Like I had a horrible experience with like The Shining and stuff, but I still watched them. Just... Like I said, just surprising to me. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Cool. Uh, so you'd seen it before. Yep. What did you think and what do you think? I think that to start, it's so oddly specific 
that it kind of just sets the tone for the entire movie. Like, when it starts, it's like, it's December 11th. It's 2.43 p.m. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so specific. And I appreciate that. So your initial thoughts and takes on the movie? Yeah, I was like, I appreciate how specific that is. Period. Full stop. Um, I think it's, especially for a movie that's in black and white, purposefully in black and white, um... I think, I mean, it's a classic. It's great. It's got such charismatic people in it. Mm -hmm. Um, The cast is is just wild. Like, they don't make movie stars like that. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're, like, legitimate movie stars. Um, And to know, like, this was, like, the beginning of what is, like, an insane... Genre, you know, like this, like really started, and this really started like music setting the tone. And I, I would agree, definitely agree with you on that point in terms of the score kind of being like its own character. I mean, like the score to this is, what, is what the score to this is what inspired like Jaws, and it just right, kept, right, uh, and it just kept, kept going, just kept going from there. Yeah, I would say it it created horror as like a higher art form yes right not like b movie not like yeah not chintzy like, kind of yeah horror. Not, not like the werewolf from right, london or right. something like that's a bad made, example but yeah you know. but this like this made horror like like this made it so like blumhouse can be a studio known for its horror movies yeah. and then they can make you know these mashups and, and things yeah. like that, like you were just saying. Like I think without without the groundwork that this laid, this industry would be very different today. It does lay an amazing groundwork. It's a good point, a good word to use um, in terms of what comes for the fall, for the next sixty plus years. Yeah, this movies fall, and there's things that happen in this movie in terms of. His use of the camera oh. and his use of, like you it's already kind of mentioned, the, the score yes. as kind of its own character to heighten the anticipation and right. the anxiety. There's, and then, of course, the, the dread and the terror that's There's a, part a of the lot scene. of silence in this movie. More than I remember there being a lot of silence. And it's filled with the music. And that... And that just makes it to me. And, like, you see the expressions. You see the physical reactions. And just set to the music, it just takes it to another level. It just takes it to another level. And, you know, it. I just think it's, like, so well done. Um, I, I, I love the story oh as yeah, well. The story it's itself great. Is... It's really well put together. Yep. Um, I wish that there were more things like that now, you know? And it's, like, and the use of, like, color when there's no color. It's, like, the use of black and white. Like, how she's, like, in white at the beginning. Oh, yeah, and then, and then she's, she's in black in after black, she's done something then, wrong. Yeah, like, and, I, yeah. I think I don't need it to be in color. No. You know what I mean? It, 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 it gives it a certain feeling and its own kind of mood and tone being the way that it is. I mean... There are, like I said before, 60 years after the fact, 
the shower scene is still I mean it's it's one of the it's one of the top five greatest scenes in film history, right? Like it's amazing. From the from the moment the shadow is behind that curtain and the I music mean, and the swipes and the way that it's framed and the way we stay on it and then through the blood draining the blood and the drain- eye. It, yeah. It's just it, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Um I will say What that I think the movie has aged a little poorly in terms of what we consider a horror movie to be now. And I'm not saying a horror movie always has to be... Yes. Let me Let me say my point. Has to be body count, jump scare. Like, I hate that shit. But what I mean is, this movie is very contemplative and takes its time. It's an it's a hour and 48 minutes. And in that time, we have a lot of stuff going on in between that... To me, it's just kind of puttering around. <laughs> we see shit like in real, almost excruciating time. Sure. And it's hard. And I, I don't know if it's purposeful or if that's just kind of how movies were kind of made or Hitchcock had like an MO behind it here and what it was kind of saying. But like, after that shower scene, there is, uh, I would say, 10, 15 minutes of just kind of painstaking fly on the wall watching Norman clean up after everything, right? Like, you could easily imply a lot of that stuff or montage I- it or... or, or encapsulate it into a shorter time frame but we don't we see it all just happen and that's not the only time in this movie that things like that happen um it's very rare that a movie that's an hour and 48 minutes which is like the perfect length for me of a movie i still felt was too long just based off of what i got out of it because because you also have that with marion leaving town you also have that with you know, some of the investigation piece of the movie. And there's just stuff that just is stretched. And it makes those three or four scenes that I'm talking about or moments all the more iconic because they stand out to you based on what we've already kind of experienced and gone through. Um, that might be a controversial take. Yeah, I I disagree okay, with you. T- t- I why. think I think it's so important to show like the real time and the mundane because it adds to it and it builds to it and I agree it builds it to makes, it. It makes the ultimate ending and the ultimate swerve, if you will, right? Oh, that's, that, yeah. That I mean, this is mom. yeah. This is um, the swerve of all swerves. Um, that which I will get back to. It makes it that much more, right? Because thinking like I've never seen this movie before, and I don't know what's gonna happen, right? Like, let's pretend we're 
back in the 1960s and that we don't have cell phones and internet yeah. and everything, right? Well, especially he was so protective of it and that this is based off of a book right. that was very little known. Exactly. He scooped the rights up to it for cheap and basically bought out the stock so people didn't, want anyone didn't to know, know what it was. Right. Insisted right. on people so the, having to be there throughout the entire experience. Right. So imagine that. And then you're just, and then you're watching the movie and you're seeing, oh my god, this girl got murdered. Who did it? Well, especially the lead of the movie. Right. The lead got Halfway murdered. Through. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, this he's cleaning it up, like this guilt he feels because he had just gotten into an argument with his mother about her. Right? Like, I think it just builds to it to the reveal of oh shit. It's so Oh shit. It's so he did all that stuff doubly because, like, he committed the crime and then he cleaned it up. Like, I think it just adds to it, and that's also from like a psychological perspective. Sure, and, and I, I have my own misgivings about how that kind of gets detailed later on, which we'll get to in a second. And you're one hundred percent right. I think the problem is have, being forced to be in the hindsight of it all. Right. Like I like. I would love to go to 1960 and watch this in a crowd of people that have no idea what they're anticipating. Right. Because to me, watching it, obviously knowing it, but there's It's movie, completely different. It is completely it's different. It's completely but different. There are movies like, uh, oh, sorry, like Seven is an example, right? That's a, that's a famous twist at the end of the movie. I've watched that movie multiple times. And there are still things that I notice for the first time or things I'm like, man, you really don't see that coming. You really don't. In this, I know it's 60 years after the fact and it's one of the most famous movies ever, but it's almost like, how did people not see it coming? You know what I mean? Like, it's... Completely different because it's supposed the thing. to start. Like, I, it, I think it ruins it for me a little bit because I can't separate it because of how notorious it is sure but i think i don't know i think it's like six of one of doesn't another it's not fair to hold the movie accountable for it i'm not but in this then, case but then like how amazing is it that the movie's so notorious that oh yeah you know it did that but i don't know i just like imagine like okay like obviously knowing what i know yeah it's hard to get through it's like okay it's kind of pointless but it if you take a step back yeah. and you look at it from that perspective and that's like the intentions of how it was made, knowing that, right? Because when you make a movie now, you consider all those things. You consider the spoilers. You consider the internet. You consider all of, of course, that. Of course, yeah. You didn't do that. No, it was, it was a totally different ago. time. Right. I, I, I guess, yeah, the movie deserves ago. more credit. And shouldn't suffer because of the permanent cynicism we yeah. live in in terms of right. so wanting I, to right. know what exactly. is happening when so, exactly. So I, ahead liked, of time. I liked basically slowing it down for those things. Yeah. I, I still, I, I get it. I agree with you, but still to a certain extent, I just, I, I don't get why we needed. I, I, I guess I do kind of get it. Like why we needed 15, 20 minutes of Marion on the run 
you know, with the cop, and then buying the car, and the cop still being there, and, you know, it's just, it's giving you more time with this person, so with the payoff of losing them when we lose yeah. them makes more sense. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll stop bemoaning that. Um, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, you, you gotta, Hitchcock was kind of a notorious, not bastard, but he was very, very hard on his actors. Uh, Jan- sure. Janet Lee obviously getting it pretty rough in that, you know, she really could never take a shower for the rest of her life. She never did. Yeah. She never did. I um, don't blame her. I wouldn't. But, like, that scene, like, it, the fact that it stands the test of time and just how progressive it is, like, you couldn't show, like, even, like, a unzoomed breast like that and... You couldn't. You couldn't even show a fucking a toilet flushing back then. Well, you and he, did. And he's like, he's like, I'm like, he's like, I'm was, doing it. That was controversial. You know how stupid society has to be to fucking. It wasn't like he shit. It would have been great. Norman Bates just pulled his pants down. <laughs> Giant shit. We watched it happen, and he flushed. That's the John Waters version. <laughs> uh, but no, he just ripped up a piece of paper and flushed it, and we was like, oh, you can't show a toilet being flushed. Like, why the fuck not? Good lord, it's ridiculous. Um, but you figure that's. Um, the conversation that they have over dinner is another... I think that scene, of course, has two of the most famous lines in in film history with the boy's best friend of his mother and mm-hmm. we all go a little mad sometimes. Again, that conversation is pretty long. It's necessary. It's necessary. It, it, those are just deep dive character. It's a character study. Studies. That's what this is. It's two halves of a character study. You have the character study in Marion Crane in the first part, and then you have it in Norman Bates in the second part, and how they converge. Yeah, that's what it is. Like that's what Hitchcock does such a great job of. I think the argument prior to that dinner is one of the things where I'm like, I, I didn't do the research. I'm assuming that's Norman Bates doing the voice of his mother in just an incredibly hidden way. I don't think no, it's... No, no, it was it's different. Just, it was like three different actresses or something like that. Okay, so that makes sense because they're trying to throw off the trail. As to yeah, yeah, it was like three different actresses and their voices were mixed or something yeah. like that. Because uh, the argument like is kind of in hindsight, again, another one where it's like, well, that seems a little weird and off. But um, also it was weird and off. If someone, a stranger, is coming to me and that runs an empty motel, and they're like, "We want to have sandwiches and milk for dinner." Run, bitch! Like, <laughs> I'm not I don't care how hungry I am. I'm not having sandwiches and milk for dinner with anybody. I would never have sandwiches and, di- and milk for dinner with you or anybody else. That's rude. That's that's. That I'm is... not ever gonna make you a sandwich ever again. So cool. I like you making oh. sandwiches. It's the milk part of it that's weird. Like, what kind of sandwich was it? Was it like a turkey sandwich? The, I'm sure it was like peanut butter. Ugh. No, it was fine. A peanut butter sandwich and milk? That's, yeah. a, that's a psychopath. That, that is a psychopath. That, that makes perfect sense. It's also someone who doesn't know how to cook. Fair. True. Um, all right, so you've been very positive about the movie. Besides the... Obviously, the shower scene. Uh, do you have any other favorite parts or scenes or pieces to the movie we haven't uh, discussed? Um, I, I really appreciated. Um, 
I know you said like the whole thing with like her going on the run and then the cop being there and then her switching the cars. I I like the usage of voiceovers in this. Oh, for her like kind of imagining for her like imagining what's, what's happening, happening yeah. and stuff and like her reactions and, and things and um so so I I liked that um a lot. I like I like like that little stretch um I like the scene of like the initial scene with her and Sam in the the hotel. Which, all right, let's just address this now. I, I I don't want to totally derail the podcast, but we have to derail the podcast at this point. Um, because, Bam, this girl. Why? Because she was getting fucked at two forty three p.m. No swerve. No, <laughs> you counted that as a swerve. What's the number yeah. here? 92. That's insane. You should give it at least like another 50 for the, the final swerve. That's the real swerve of all swerves. Or fine, I'm not going to fuck with you. Sit the fuck. Um, I hate that we're, we're doing this immediately after doing James Wen movies. Because in those movies, it is blatant, not just because he's doing a movie about birds killing people, but because characters in the movie can't stop fucking talking about Alfred Hitchcock that James Wen idolizes Alfred Hitchcock and likens sure. himself to be that. So I noticed, I think another reason why the movie... She wasn't in a bathing suit. No, 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 no. no. That's Shut. how their bras Shh. looked in those days. Shut up. <laughs> this is important. <laughs> I think part of the reason why this movie didn't hit for me was because I just noticed so many things that James Wen tried to replicate. He's ruined your life. He really He's has. I will life. never watch a movie the, the same The next way time ever again. you watch a Hitchcock movie, they're going to say something about just hanging out with their family and you're going to lose your goddamn mind. Oh, this is my wife, a Victoria's Secret medal. They didn't have Victoria's Secret back then. What is happening? Um, but there's a line. So they're, you know, Sam and Marion aren't married. They're having like this, it's not an affair. But, like, they can't be together because he has debts. Um, and an ex-wife. An ex-wife and, and all this stuff. Um, and there's a specific line in there about... Solar panels? No, that's solar panels. But, like, you know, there's a certain thing with, like, married couples or couples who are together that, like, go to a hotel and do this sort of thing. And I was like, motherfucker, in every James Wen movie for Birdemic, the couple goes to a hotel... And we pointed it out each time to sleep with one another for, like, the first time. And I'm like, is that why he does oh it? Oh, my God. And then, for the I next... I hate you so much. It has to be why. That's what he thinks oh. couples do. And the, the, they, they idolize it in the movie. It's like, oh, I... well, couples go to hotels by the hour to, like, fucking knock one out. And then it's followed by 20 to 30 minutes... Of just mundane activities that are predicated around dollar amounts of a round variety being spent. And I'm like, he, he has ruined everything. Alright, that's been all. <laughs> for Married, for with married Movies. movies that's a series wrap on Married with Movies, everybody. We are never gonna watch another movie. We we have all of our movies for sale. <laughs> wants if you want the list. We want two thousand movies. Two thousand movies. I, I ain't paying for shipping. We'll give you a good deal though. But like Free. that's like no that's it. Me. Like that is I can't believe it. I didn't even put two and two I, together. I'm shocked. Like, I couldn't. I was over here like I was like <laughs> jostling when I was writing down. I was like, oh my god, I figured it out. 
Um, but that, that's exactly why. Like, that's... the first 30 minutes of this movie, we're not at the Bates Motel. And I was like, God, when are we going to get to the Bates Motel? And I was like, just like, when are we going to get to the fucking birds? <laughs> I was like, that's why he does it. He models it exactly. And the difference the is... formula. The difference is he makes his, his women wear bathing suits. <laughs> There's a lot of differences. Instead of... That is uh, one. And only, and only two of the three movies. Um, right. The ones he had contri- con- creative control. And the second movie, they're like, look, these girls are showing their tits. You got to at least wear your actual underwear. Um, but That's why Birdemic 2 was your this, favorite. In this movie... Is that why Birdemic 2 was your favorite? Because there were titties? No. No, it's because the movie ends with the the fifth lead getting killed and the birds just leave. That's fucking amazing. Um, but no, this movie does it in a way that's like layered and like means something and the music is good and the acting is good. But, but James <laughs> Wynn would tell you the same thing. His is a commentary on environmentalism. <laughs> Sorry. I know. It, it, uh, yes, you're right. Uh, it just I really want to go to a film festival that he's speaking at and just sit in the look. Room if all day. You, look, if you want to get really in the fucking weeds on going to see fucking Neil Breen and James when like fucking film festivals and shit, I am so in. Oh, you have no fuck. fucking idea. I would love to have this take over our lives. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, nothing. I knew it was going to sidetrack us. I apologize. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about and discuss. Yes, to your point, I like that stuff. Uh, the like the imagining what is going on with the real story. The actual plan, by the way, is fucking kind of wild. She just up and decides this job she's had for ten years. Basically, she's just going to take forty grand, a lot of money back then, which that was not forty grand unless there were some five hundred dollar bills in there. That was two bricks of cash. That's if there were hundreds, that's twenty grand, not forty grand, but. There was $500 bills, I believe, back then, so maybe there were some there. Um, and she's just like, well, I'm just going to leave town, and that'll do me. <laughs> well, she was going to meet up with Sam so you they could get married and, and pay, off, and his pay off his debts and everything. and everything. Yeah, then what do you mean? It's just, yeah, she decided to do it. She, People do crazy things. Yeah, she, that, that sure is it. Um, it sure is crazy. Uh, once Arbogast gets in, the movie kind of picks back up for me. I... I Obviously, I think we know where the MVP of this movie is heading, but I like Martin Basalm in this movie. I think he does a really, really good job of being that, like, uh, strict but charismatic and insightful P.I. You know, watch that scene with him and Norman at the motel, and he's kind of making Norman squirm and kind of getting at him and, and figuring it out. Yeah. Like, once the mystery of it is kind of in, we know what the solution to it is. Um, but we're watching it kind of, un, uh, you know, unravel. I'm very engaged with that. I love also the Arbogast death scene to me. I think it's obviously not as iconic as the shower scene, but it it's almost as good. Like the way that it's shot and the way it really kind of takes you off your feet when it happens, no pun intended, from the way... They shot and Arbogast kind of falls down the stairs with like the 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 knife slit down his face, like that shit's I I fucking love that. Um, and then 
you know, there's a good solid, again, 20 minutes when we're kind of just fiddle farting around with the sister, the sister and, and Sam and then going to the motel, but the payoff. You know that that turn into a mummified mom, and then him running him running in dressed like her, is and his convulsing and facial expressions getting held back, like that's that's the goods there. I mean uh, that's great, and and the build up to that. Oh yeah, and him just being shy and like bumbling a little bit, and like sometimes stuttering. I mean, but, but then, like, when he smiled, there was, like, that charisma, that mm-hmm. likability, and then you're like, oh, fuck, swerve. I mean, we can say it when we get back to it. Anthony Perkins he, is the got, MVP of the movie. He's it's, the MVP. It's one of the most incredible villain performances of any movie well ever. Well-deserved lauding. The fact um, that, so, the only acting nomination for this movie in the Academy Awards, because obviously was this movie Lee. was Janet Lee for Best Supporting... Uh, Hitchcock was nominated for director. The movie itself was not nominated. Which yeah, it's because it was the 1960s. And, and they a horror did a movie. thing yeah. about yeah. horror movies and a thing about transvestites, probably. Well, that as well. That was another part to it. And Perkins kind of being a... Closeted. Closeted, but largely maybe, kind of known allegedly, in the industry. Homosexually. You know. Uh, obviously, he had an uphill battle to climb. Um, but he is the perfect oddball creepy quirky sweet ominous dude like yeah he's all those things in each scene like when you first meet him you're like well this guy's this guy's oh, oh what a what this, a, this what is a that puppy. odd guy this is that odd guy in class who i will be fine running into in public many years from now yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah um and then so, so for it to kind of turn and be who he is I, they made three sequels in this movie i think minimum um, That's obviously gross. way after Hitchcock passed, all still with Anthony Perkins. Um, I believe the second one. I mean, if I was Anthony Perkins, I would have said oh, yes to get all those of fucking them. Checks. Absolutely. I believe this. I believe one of them is not too bad. The second one, I think, is uh, like him getting out of the institution and like trying to like better himself. And then, of course, they get worse and worse as they progress. But the fact that he was able to kind of get that bag and hold on to it for as long as he did. I mean, this has be, kind of become this property. There was the Bates Motel show, which is supposed to be very, very good. There was that uh, that Universal uh, Hitchcock art of making movies I never got to do. My um, my brother in law Darren got to do the shower scene in that when I, but That's I never got so a chance cool. to see it. There's pictures of it somewhere. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's really, really good. My least favorite part of the movie is the epilogue. I think it's so it's unnecessary. So unnecessary. It's. Modern times, it's so unnecessary. I get having it in 1960. Sure. Because I feel like people needed it spelled out for them potentially. But it's just three. I mean, you can't come back from the reveal in that moment. No. I think if you go to that and you just go right to him sitting in like this padded room... With the voiceover, because the the end end of the movie, of you know, Norma talking in Norman's head, and the the I mean the other famous line from the movie is you know why he wouldn't harm a fly, mm-hmm. and then you have that quick dissolve of the tight shop of him smirking, 
and you get a glimpse of the corpse face. Like that's like even then I was like, no, thank you, yeah. sir. Yeah, absolutely. But then again, they fucking kind of ruin it because like Hitchcock always does this thing where like he has to have this last like ta da, and it's like them pulling the car out of the mud. And I'm like, why? Why was that even necessary? The last five minutes of the movie between like the psychiatrist just reading us the riot act about what happened, um, and then the car totally, no pun intended, muddles up. You know, to me, is a fucking awesome crescendo. Mm-hmm. But it because of that and some of the stuff I was talking before, the movie is a little bit more frustrating than I anticipated um, throughout. But that's not to say it's still not a fucking classic. Um, I had another point. I missed it, and I forget what it was. Oh, the one other thing I was going to say, we were talking about music and whatnot. Shout out to my boy Busta Rhymes. Um, I lived way too long of my life before I realized that the intro to uh, Give Me Some More was just uh, sampling the the, the psycho, uh, the oh, main, not, so not the shower scene song, but the na, 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 that goes on throughout. That's that's the what the beginning of, of Give Me Some More is. So yeah, Hitchcock's the man. I I, I really hope I think the closest thing we have to him is Jordan Peele. Yeah. Uh, that's as close as we're going to get, and I hope he kind of continues staying in his lane on that trajectory because it'd be cool to have that in modern times, but even still, it's going to be hard. You figure this is the fourth Hitchcock movie we've done for the show, if I'm not mistaken? We did North by Northwest, Vertigo. we did Vertigo, and we did um, The Killing. No, The Killing was Kubrick. I'm so sorry. Killing yeah, is Kubrick. I think that's. All I get that confused because the ending of that movie just reminds me of the end of a Hitchcock movie. I don't think we've done um, any others. Well, the only other one I think that there's two more part of that set: Rear Window, which I fucking love, and, and the, the Birds, bird. which I'm not a fan of, um, even without the birdemic of it all. And I know we have uh, my favorite Hitchcock movie upstairs, uh, Shadow of a Doubt. I think that's all. We might have a couple other ones. I'm just forgetting, but um, yeah, the man's the man's a genius and. Uh, I mean, I don't know if there's really to say. Uh, all right, so we already named Anthony Perkin MVP. I think, obviously, a good, strong second, number two. I would actually put... No, nah, I think you have to make Janet Lee number two. I mean, she's still very, very good in yeah. this movie. Yeah, but... She plays this conflicted... Oh, yeah, she does such a good job. Scared, sexy, vulnerable. Like, yeah. The impressive thing, I think, about this movie, a lot of Hitchcock movies, is how much he gets out of his actors on so many different levels. And we oh, talked about, sure. like, the, how many adjectives I use to describe Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates earlier Oh, yeah. On. You're getting the same thing he with Janet He pushes them. Like you said, he's hard on them, but he pushes... He gets... He gets what he needs to get out of them. Yeah. Especially... Because, like, these are also really bare. When you think about movies now... Right, and you have mm-hmm. all the special effects, all the CGI, all of the layers and and things. These movies are bare comparatively, in terms of like cast size. Oh yeah. In terms of, you know, setting. In terms of you know, black and white versus color, like all of those kinds of things. So I think it it is super admirable the things that he's able to do. I one hundred percent agree with you. LVP. 
These movies are always hard to do LVP because they, like you said, like you just were finishing your point, bare bones in terms of cast, but also bare bones a little bit in terms of variety of performances. Hitchcock does do a good thing where people always kind of get like little time to do things. So other people that I liked in the movie... Uh, I already shout out Martin Balsam as uh, Arbogast, uh, who I appreciate. Um, I liked uh, Lila and Sam. I liked Lila and Sam yeah. as well. Um, I liked them a lot. I didn't think I was going to like Sam at first, but you know he he kind of grew in grew to it all. I love the guy that plays uh, uh, what's the character the the guy that was buying the house, not Lowry. Um, yeah, was it Lowry? Yeah, Mister Lowry. No, I thought Lowry was... Vaughn Taylor's Mr. Lowry. Long t- Mr. Lowry is the boss. Is the so boss. It's, so it's uh, Tom Cassidy. The guy who's just like flirting with her, talking about his daughter getting married, wearing a fucking cowboy hat. He's oh, rich. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that guy was just chewing up some scenery, and I'm like, I can dig that. So I, I didn't mind him. Uh, do you have anybody for LVP? I have three. I didn't like the cop. But the I don't know if that was just a character thing. I think... I, I see what you mean... I think that was a character thing. You also reminded me of my old boss, Dan Hilkin. So. <laughs> Just because like, he has a long face. <laughs> Very much so. Um, um, I didn't like the sheriff. The sheriff. Oh, I didn't like the sheriff. The sheriff was I like. about the sheriff. The sheriff is that era's old-timey actor who's just resigned to doing a gig and just doesn't do anything but just be himself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's so. Good. Like when they, when Lila and uh, when Lila and Sam go and talk with the sheriff, he's just spouting exposition and kind of not really giving and it the anything. Wife, but she didn't do enough. Yeah, uh, same thing with I didn't initially like the second secretary in Lowry's office because she seemed like she had like her own deal and was like trying to spruce it up and give it a little bit more. And it's like, no, you're not the focus here. What are you doing? Uh, I also didn't like the psychiatrist at the end, but I think I'm more so blaming that on. Just the, not the liking of the scene. Not liking the content of the scene, not necessarily his delivery of it all. Yeah. So we're going with the sheriff? Yep. John. So the sheriff is played by Joe McIntyre. John McIntyre. John McIntyre. And that is a second LVP for John McIntyre. Who, what else has he been in? If I'm not mistaken, hold on, let me look at my list here. I think I saw it before. I recognize the name. Uh, where'd John McIntyre go? I think he was a voice in a Disney movie. Really? Um, where is it? Oh no, is it Cloak and Dagger? Hold on. I know, I know I see the fucking name. I just redid this book. Hold on. You also have the full fucking sheet, so look it up there. Oh, yes, I'm so sorry. I know I've seen it. Where are you at? Where are you at, Mr. McIntyre? I have a Marvin McIntyre, but it's spelled different. Oh, this is why I should really have a different system for this. Yeah. Well, that's no, why we Joseph McCarthy, movie. that's... <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was the MVP in something? Any other page? Yeah, there's no McIntyre. I have a Joe McIntyre, so I'm getting confused. Yeah, that's why I said it. So Joe McIntyre was the MVP, I think, of, like, The Rescuers. John McIntyre is just a real son of a bitch. <laughs> and is now the LVP of Psycho. So never mind, false alarm. Just one for just one for good old John. Okay. 
Oh, yeah, because I see here he was a voice in the Fox and the Hound. Oh. I, I knew it was something related to Disney animated voices, but we haven't done Fox and the Hound, so never fucking mind. Uh, It'll be spooky as shit if he does get the LVP for that whenever we do it. It will. I'm not going to lie, like, when I went to bed last night, I was like, yo, I'm fucking, like, a little uneasy. Like, I don't want to go to bed. Like, I was, like, feeling it. And I, I will go through these periods when, like, I'm taking a shower. I love our shower now because it's I can just, see everything. I, I can see everything. It's in glass. I have a mirror right there. But, like, when I used to have, like, a fucking shower, even before seeing this movie, when I used to have a shower curtain, I was like, fuck. I, I it hate didn't, it. It didn't help that. My freshman year of high school, the first school trip I went on for robotics, um, I took a shower, like, the first night. Everyone was, like, like fucking around outside. I was like, I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. I was that fucking kid. Oh, man. I was like, I'm going to take a shower. I feel dirty. I'm going to, you know, go get ready for bed. <laughs> I know. It never happened again because two of my friends came in with a bucket of ice and dumped it on me. I was in the fucking shower, and I was pissed. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that anymore. But I think also it was like, anything can happen to me, shower. No, no one fucking, they can pour ice on me. They can stab me. Uh, have you ever been like that? Stabbed in the shower? No. no. <laughs> Stabbed in the, not yet. Uh, Scared con- to take a shower? Yeah, or just like having something like that in a movie affect you. Yeah. Where the you're movie s- The Grudge. Oh, like the girl, <laughs> something's going to come out of a fucking mirror? Well, no, that's not... No, she she. There's one scene where she crawled out of the girl's like head. Oh right, in right, the right. shower. So that freaked me out for okay. a little while after I saw that. That's fucking scarier than this shit. Um, so that, but no. Look, if I'm gonna go, at least I'll be taking a nice hot shower. I'll fucking burn their fucking hand off with the showers I take. Why do you think I take such hot showers? So you can scold. Come them. at me. Try it. Uh, Try it. I, I did, the other thing I was going to point out was uh, yesterday. When you if were, I ever do die in the shower, though, you have to put clothes on me. Why? I don't want people to see me naked. I tell you, we're all, most of us die naked. Because we're what? like, or like we're in like a hospital gown or something with our butt hanging out. <laughs> all right, what Fine. Was your point if you die in the shower, shower, I will dry you, get you dressed, then call and be like, she insisted upon this. And then I will go to jail. What um? What was the point you were going to make? Um, Yesterday, you went to the office, and it was a really bad, rainy day. Oh, my God. It was such a terrible And then storm. when I saw this, I was like, oh, I don't want you to drive in the rain ever again. Because it was, like, oh. so, like, there was no fucking lights, except just, like, the glare of everything. Yeah, and I was like, this is why my mother doesn't drive at night. <laughs> that's why she doesn't drive at night. But that's what I see when I'm driving. Shitty-ass wipers. In the and, rain and stuff. Uh, oh, that's so sweet. You had that thought. Oh, you really love me. Yeah. Um, would you... Ow, fuck! That hurts! Don't be mean. It pins the shit out of me. I was trying to be nice, and you were just like, eh. I was just sharing a story. I wasn't trying to be nice. I also am, like, minorly terrified of getting in the situations where, like, I'm at a hotel that obviously people have died at, (laughs) and... You mean like that time that we flipped over that mattress and there was that big blood stain? That was that wasn't even at like a seedy motel. That, that was at like, like an extended stay, like uh, timeshare place. Yeah. And we flipped over this mattress to set up a, a a sleeping arrangement for Sam and I in like the living room from the spare bed, and there was the biggest 
dark red stain on this mattress. Yeah. And we called security and maintenance. And they're like, oh, that's coffee. I'm like, that ain't fucking coffee. coffee. That is either the world's worst period that you guys didn't clean or arguably what I prefer, someone got stabbed to death on this. (laughs) Um, There was also, I was also turning into Arbor Gas because there was also like a weird receipt there. And I was like, look, this is a receipt for something. This means something. And your mom's mom's like, go to bed. (laughs) Um, And just one more thing. Uh, God, you're the worst. But, yeah, no, like, I don't fuck, like, I'm currently in the midst of planning uh, something for uh, a friend this upcoming summer, um, where I'm planning on probably having to stay at some shitty hotels, because number one, that's what we do, and number two, just saving costs on it all. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. But there's a big difference between, like, the Bates Motel, where there's, like, 12 rooms, and you have, like, a physical key to get into, and... There's a house up on the hill and the Econolodge in, like, Lexington, Kentucky. You know what I mean? Hopefully. Yeah, sure. Well, we have stayed. I mean, we've even stayed. That Hojo's we stayed at when we went to Legoland, which was your fault. I mean, I thought was that one of the worst I've hotels of all time. I've never stayed at a Hojo before. I thought that was going to be good. What about that quality? It was in the it? '60s. What about the quality in at Mount Dora? The quality in Mount Dora should burn to the fucking ground. <laughs> I hope there is a Norman Bates that runs that place because anyone that stays there deserves to get fucking killed. But so, oh man. Oh, I've been through a lot of shitty hotels. You need to you need to use points on this trip and just. Well, I'm building them up. Some free stage or something. I, I I think I saw I'm like halfway to at least one free night in Hilton with my like my most recent Perfect. points. So um, Perfect. I should start volunteering for more work things just to get the points. I'm gonna um, we're gonna do travel on points stuff soon, so we we should start earning more. Yeah, let's things. fucking do it. I wonder Norman Bates points. Oh, you got enough points to get a free stab. <laughs> stab stab. Stab stab. Uh, there's one other thing. Oh, uh, so most people's reviews and opinions of Universal Hollywood is that, like, if you've been to Orlando, like, you don't really need to kind of go. Right now, the only real selling point is that it has Nintendo already open versus what we have now. But the Backlot Tour is very interesting. What's on the Backlot Tour? Well, the tour? Backlot Tour, I believe, uh, is where you fucking go through King Kong and you go through fucking Fast and Furious. They still have Jaws, I think, attached to it. At least they did. That's but, awesome. But like, you get to see the like the real fucking Bates Motel. Because they've, like, they've supplanted it there, like whatever replica it is. And like there's normally like a Norman that's like kind of standing outside and like walks up to your tram. And I'm like, they, they spruce it up a little bit, I think, during that's Horror so Nights cool. as well. Like, that's the kind of shit... I like theme parks doing is keeping the nostalgia and bringing the shit that's really scary from back in the day to current modern times. Not yeah. just, well, this new movie came out. Let's, you know, have a two minute walk through jump scare fest. No, it's like fucking, I get you can't leave the art of making movies with Alfred Hitchcock open in 2023. Who really fucking cares? Right. From the people that are going to be paying money. But there should be... There should be some kind of homage. I feel like there should be some kind of like cyclical attraction-based spot where it's like, okay, from September to November, we're running the Alfred Hitchcock show here. From, you know, yeah. January through March, we'll do Shrek 4D. Just like strip down, yeah. you know, like like Deuce Terminator, you know, whatever you can do. That'd be a great idea for people so it's always continually fresh. 
Yeah. But it's it's appealing to both sides. It's just 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 my thing. Just my just my soapbox two cents on theme park. Well, shut the fuck up. Theme park. What nostalgia. do you know? Anything else on Psycho? No, I think we covered all of it. Um, if, I, if I didn't fully cover it uh, at the jump, got to give up to Hitchcock also for just the foresight he had on making like the credits like important or thing. Like obviously back in the '60s, the credits were all up front, and you didn't have to worry about anything at the end of the movie. Then the movie was just the end. But most movies back in the day were just listing it over some fucking music. Hitchcock put some art behind it, put some visual you know, accompaniment to to it. We kind of talked about it with Vertigo last year as well, kind of how he's evolved the art behind that. Mm-hmm. It adds kind of to the flavor and the dynamic of the movie. So I, I appreciated that as well. Um, but yeah, no, I think that is it. I could go another 30 minutes on James Wen, but I won't. All right, what's your score? Uh, I just scored first. Uh, yeah. It's a hard one to score. I mean, it, it's an obvious all-time classic, and it has, like I said, throughout pantheon moments and a pantheon performance. But in modern times, there are things that I think just lag that ruin, not ruin, but dampen my overall score. I was going to go lower initially, but I'm going to, for our conversation, you kind of save this movie to, I to always me. do. I'm so good. Not always. I'm uh, so good There are times you make it worse. Um, Shut the fuck up. I'm going to give this movie an eight. Oh, wow. I'm glad. I'm giving it an eight and a half. Oh, so fucking we're not that fucking far off. Well, yeah, because I made you go up in your score. There you go. I was, I was going to go with either a seven or a seven and a half. Because upon, like I said, initial viewing... It was frustrating, even though I'd watched the movie in full not too long ago, with my preconceived notions of what made this movie up. I knew that it was a, I wasn't looking for a body count. I wasn't looking for jump scares. I wasn't looking for typical horror stuff. But I was also looking for more meat on the bone in terms of just holding my attention. Sure. And if that stuff doesn't do it, I wanted to at least quickly and easily understand why I was getting what I what I was getting. Right. And I didn't get that until we spoke. So Okay. An eight point two five no 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 no. An eight point two five for Psycho. I want to apologize in advance. The the book that I'm now using, um, it's a wide rule book and I didn't why? realize it was, it was the, the book that I had. So, I have college ruled Well, ones. too late now. I already, I'm already done with this basically. So it's just going to look a little different when you're doing Oh, I don't like that. Well, too fucking bad. You'll deal with it. I don't uh, like that at all. Tough titty. That's been all for... Oh, wait. <laughs> we have to pick a new movie. So next week is when we'll finally tackle The Exorcist. Then uh, your Halloween movie is kind of turning into just a fall-nominated movie, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Then we'll finally hit up In the Valley of Ella. Uh, then we'll have Jillian's birthday movie, which I think she's going to want to do Mulan. We may have to talk her out of that because I didn't realize we also own Mulan too. I don't want to watch both movies for her birthday. I try to keep her to one movie. Uh, she got to watch Mulan today. Like, that's it. <laughs> never Mulan. Never again. Uh, so the movie we're picking now is probably going to be our first movie in December. So we have a, a okay. few weeks before we have it. I need a random number between 1 and 106. Okay. From our big camp pick list. Number 76. 76. Okay, so there's 20 lines here. So 56. 57, 58, 59, 60. 
and sevens and ones and twos and threes and fours and fives and six. Fuck yes! What? It is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Hell yeah! The Batman the Animated Series movie! Cool. That makes me Another s- thing we have to watch with Jillian. A 100,000 fucking percent. Oh my god, yes. I am so fucking excited for, arguably, one of the five best Batman movies ever fucking made. Just gonna fucking say it. Don't, don't blow your load early, man. I won't. I won't. And that's one movie that James Wen can't ruin for me. Watch as a character called like Jim Wen. Oh boy! So that's uh, I might have to fucking change the schedule so we watch that sooner than I was planning. Um, hell yeah! So we'll be tackling Batman: Mask of the Phantasm in December. That'll be my Christmas present to myself. Oh good! I'm not gonna get you anything then. I always get myself presents. Oh, I know. That's why that picture of you miserable as hell at ice from last I'm year. I'm gonna make that picture disappear. Make you disappear. Thank you for listening to this episode of Merry Moves. We encourage you as always go to arcadeaudio.net for this podcast and the others on our network of shows. Rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Wake the fuck up. The show's not over yet. Ow! I just minorly grazed your titty. I was listening. You're putting the seat back to close your eyes on me. Well, I'm still listening. Go on, watch. I'll know what to say when to say. Facebook.com slash Merry Moves. I jam with your shit. Oh, wait. Asshole. Mary Movies at gmail.com. That's what you think of the show. At Mary W Movies on Twitter. My Instagram is at your host, Malt38. Do you don't get to say it again? You already said it once. Mine is at Jam with your Sam. Patreon.com slash Archaeo for bonus content. Stop fucking picking me and touching at me. You know I fucking hate it. You're going to do it on the air and you're going to make me actually mad. So fucking knock it off. Finish the plugs. Why? So you go back to fucking sleep? No. You can't talk to me yes. for 70 minutes without dozing off? Yeah, that's accurate. When's the last time we talked for 70 minutes? Not Today, on a podcast. Idiots. Not on a podcast. Oh, oh fucking never. You're a dullard. Um, <laughs> you were the haunting Venice of conversationalists. Oh, my God. And I think that's it. Did you talk about your pod bloggle? Uh, oh, yeah, arcade.net slash pod blog. Oh, I just had my, my 10th recap. So that means I've watched 160 uh, wrestling Nobody gives a shit, man. Nobody gives a shit about you. you At least do. I'm doing things. You do. You said you don't want me to drive in the rain people. anymore. You don't want me to drive in the rain anymore. Yeah, that's what you said. It's too difficult to figure out how to pay our bills. Did you get Did you get gas today? Yes, I got gas today. Okay, good. Thanks Just... for leaving me with no fucking gas. Thanks for almost driving the goddamn car to the fucking garage because <laughs> you don't know how to fucking gauge where the fuck the car's supposed to be parked. Thanks for when you get into the garage, turn the car so fucking far that it's like a fucking obstacle oh course backing out of the garage Why to so... your fucking car, which sucks so fucking bad. It's all the way down the end of the driveway because it might blow up and kill our house because they're waiting for our fucking recall information from fucking Hyundai. So thanks a fucking lot. Oh yeah, don't die in the rain. Oh my God. Are you awake now? For Mullet. This is Mullet. Signing out for this week's episode of Married with Movies. We'll catch you next time on our couch. Slash the movies. I'm going to go move in with James Nguyen. (laughs) (coughs) Die until you laugh. Die until you laugh.
Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at ArcadeAudio.net.